0: Welcome to Lady in the Couch, a podcast about mental health and well-being, relationships, and topics specifically related to women. I am your host, Autumn Collier, a licensed psychotherapist in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's have a seat on the couch. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for being here. So today's episode is an Ask Autumn episode where we have received some emails These particular emails or questions are about therapy and the therapy experience. For this segment, we encourage you guys, if you have questions about therapy, about anything really related to the mental health and wellness space, feel free to send us an email at hello at ladyinthecouch.com and we'll be happy to answer them on the podcast or even just respond back if it's something that maybe we won't have on the podcast. All right. So today we have two questions and actually we've gotten multiple emails and many of them were about these questions. So these two questions have popped up multiple times by different individuals. So we figured we'd go ahead and answer them today. All right. So the first of the two is when is the best time to start therapy? Okay. So the short answer is when you're ready. There are many people who maybe they felt they needed therapy for a while or others have suggested that maybe they could use some therapeutic intervention and they chose not to seek therapy or counseling and likely because they just weren't ready. And when someone is not ready, then there is really nothing you can do. If they're not ready, they're not ready. Therapy is a very personal experience and it only works if you want it and if you're ready to receive it and be vulnerable to the process. Therapy is a very vulnerable process and many people aren't willing or ready to go there because it does kind of take the top off or a can of worms and a lot of stuff spills out that can be painful to deal with. And so, you know, there could be fear that if it all comes out, I'm not going to be able to put it back in or I won't be able to function because I'm going to be walking around feeling exposed and while dealing with things that maybe have happened to them in their lives. So, it is a very personal experience and the best time to seek therapy is when you're ready. So I'll tag on another piece to this question because this was along the same lines of the question. Another one was thrown in and they were a little bit more specific. So someone even asked in terms of when's the best time to start therapy, if they should go ahead and start therapy because they are in a transitioning phase in their lives. And a transitioning phase could be maybe you're going from graduating college to entering your first career career you're going from single or engaged to becoming married, or you're going from having no kids to now having kids, or it could be you're going from working to retiring, whatever that transition looks like. So they're asking, should they go ahead and begin therapy as a preventative measure because of this transitioning phase in their lives? All right. So to that, I say, Um, Again, it really depends on the person. So let's say you have someone who has a history of mental health concerns and a history of not adjusting or coping well, then yes, this individual may want to engage in therapy before or while this life transition is happening as a preventative measure, especially since we do have evidence that the individual does not adjust well or cope well during certain times in their lives. And maybe... They don't cope well during transitions or as change happens. So yes, having that evidence, maybe even having mental health concerns or ongoing mental health history, then that person may want to engage in therapy um, when something big or life-changing is happening in their lives. You know, in school, we were always taught the best way to predict future behavior is to look at past behavior. So again, here we have evidence that this person does not cope or adjust well to change. So then, yeah, that person may want to go ahead and get connected to a therapist so that they are able to manage the upcoming transition with minimal disruption to their day-to-day lives or day-to-day activities. For someone that maybe has no history of mental health concerns and, you know, they have evidence that they've adjusted fairly well to life thus far then they may not need to engage in therapy in a preventive form that may not be needed for them. This person, they might choose to use other activities. Other activities might suffice for them, such as having an outlet to release, such as through exercise or, or doing some meditation. That might be all this person needs and that's fine. Also, you know, just because we are going through changes in life and having life transitions happen does not mean we will not be able to adapt and cope. Right. You know, that's one of the things that makes humans supreme to other species is our ability to adapt. So a difficult time in life or a life transition does not have to equate to us not coping well or us feeling that we are having this difficult disposition. Something can be difficult, tough, different and we can cope with it without having significant disruptions to our day to day activities. And I say, you heard me say day to day activities. I say that because that is one thing clinicians, we look at how are your day to day activities being affected? You know, if you take the DSM, the book we use to diagnose, nothing is really an actual condition or problem or disorder unless it is affecting you socially, occupationally work or school, or creating severe psychological distress. So nothing's really a problem until you know something along those lines are out of whack. So we look at that via your day-to-day. So maybe you're not able to maintain employment because of your distress. Okay, now this is a disorder. This has become a problem. Or you're not able to function well in school because of the distress. Now we have a problem. Or Physically, you're not taking care of yourself. Maybe we haven't bathed in a couple of weeks or we're not getting dressed. We're not eating. Okay. Now this is disordered. So yeah. So you'll hear me say day-to-day activities being those things such as bathing, getting dressed, going to school or work, just maintaining your day-to-day functioning. So also for this person, maybe who has no history of mental health concerns and they've adjusted well, if they show up to therapy and you know they'll be asked by the therapist. So tell me what brought you in today? And, you know, this person responds, well, everything's actually fine. I just want it to be proactive because big changes are happening in my life or big changes are about to happen in my life. Well, that's great that they're there and that they are being proactive. And at some point, the therapist will likely ask, great. So tell me, what do you need from me in this space? How can I help you in this space? So, you know, it will be good to have some insight as to why you're there or what you might need from that space. Instead of just assuming, ooh, this might be a difficult time. Ooh, let me go ahead and and seek some help. Well, let's have some insight into what we might need from that help or why we're seeking the help, or maybe even, you know, it could be as simple as I don't feel confident that I can handle what's about to happen in my life. Okay. Well, that's something that can be further explored, but having some level of insight would be helpful. And again, the, the therapist, the clinician would assess to see if there is any pathology present or significant symptoms that are there that maybe need to be further explored. You know, another, when answering this, when is the best time to start therapy? If you plan to use insurance, well, insurance kind of does have an answer for that. That can further help us answer this question. Insurance will only pay for a problem or diagnosis. So if there are no significant symptoms or if there is no diagnosis present, insurance will not deem therapy to be medically necessary. So, you know, you can still get therapy. It would just be um, an out-of-pocket cost or you would get it via self-pay. So that's another thing. If you plan to use insurance, well, insurance will kind of dictate when the best time to start therapy is. And if there's no presenting problem, no issue, no pathology, no symptoms, no diagnosis, then insurance will say, well, we're not going to pay. So that might also weigh in on when and if you start therapy, unless you want to pay out-of-pocket. All right. So question two is... How long will I need therapy? All right, so I got another short answer. It depends. And I know that that's not a specific answer, but it does depend. It depends on a lot. It depends on the individual with regards to how long someone will need therapy. It depends on their presenting symptoms, their diagnosis, the severity of their symptoms. It depends on how engaged they are in treatment. It depends on their motivation to change. Many of those factors come into play, so there's no cookie cutter, one-size-fits-all. It really depends on the individual. It also depends on the treatment modality being used by the clinician. So if there's a clinician that's using cognitive behavioral therapy, then clients will usually see some progress around eight to 10 sessions, and you know that doesn't mean that treatment will necessarily end then. Sessions could total and last anywhere from 10 to 12 to 20. It really just depends. An individual might be receiving therapy and they've made progress hitting their goals and then bam, something catastrophic may happen. There could be a sudden death in their family or, or something could happen that might change the trajectory of their progress. So then the clinician and that individual will work through it, which may add on some sessions or increase the frequency. It really just depends. Frequency of sessions also matters. You know, how often are you being seen from the start of therapy, because that can determine how long you might need it. It depends on what frequency you guys are on, how often sessions are being had. So you might start out weekly, and then you might go to biweekly, and then you might go to monthly. Most clinicians, when they start therapy with a the new client, they like to see them either weekly or biweekly. Anything beyond that feels like you're starting over every time you see the client, and that could also prolong therapy. That's what I mean by it depends on the frequency. So if you're If you're having sessions too far out, especially in the beginning before progress has happened, you're having sessions too spread out, then that will prolong how long therapy lasts. It'll also delay progress for the client. So you really want to get in there and hit the ground running. And then, you know, you also have clients that might be in a maintenance phase. So this means that a client, they're still in treatment, still getting treatment. However, they've basically met their treatment goals, their therapeutic goals have been met their symptoms are very minimal, and their day-to-day is not being disrupted. So they're doing very well. And this individual might be seen once a quarter or as needed. So the common trend is, you know, over time, sessions become less frequent, and then services are terminated. There will no longer be a need for therapy. And maybe four years later, there might be a need for therapy. However, you know, that is pretty much how it goes. You start out, sessions are more frequent, and then over time, they taper off, and then there is a termination or discharge. There are, however, certain diagnoses that require ongoing treatment, and this would be your more severe disorders involving maybe psychosis, where with these disorders, medication management is your primary intervention along with therapy. So therapy might look like teaching coping skills or how to navigate life with the diagnosis different things like that, and individuals in many of these cases receive therapy on and off throughout their adulthood. No, it may not be every week. It could be once a month for some, or they may go some stretches where they're not in therapy or stretches where they are, but they're usually receiving some type of treatment pretty much throughout their adulthood, and that's pretty common for individuals who maybe have more severe diagnoses. Otherwise, there is an end date for therapy, and this is a good thing. Once someone accomplishes their therapeutic goals, discharge needs to happen. Otherwise, sometimes we find that there might become a reliance on the therapist to resolve problems that the individual would otherwise would have readily resolved. Or we might even find that someone's resilience as it relates to facing problems might begin to decrease because they kind of have maybe the crutch of a therapist to navigate them through it. Whereas otherwise, they would have navigated situations and dealt with them on their own because they do have the skills. You know, If they're ready for discharge, that means they have minimal symptoms. They're doing well. They're thriving. They have the skills they need to manage life and to manage stressors that naturally will happen with life. So we want them to go forth and do it independently and also know that if they need to return, they absolutely can. Discharge, however, is something that when you start therapy you and the therapist or the individual and the therapist will discuss recommendations for treatment so after that initial assessment is done by the clinician recommendations for treatment which will include frequency of sessions and expected length of treatment that will be discussed with the client so that they do have an idea of how long services will last and what to expect or even what treatment modalities the clinician plans to implement all right so those are our two questions again we've gotten many emails pretty much asking the same two questions, maybe in different variations. So we really wanted to address it. Thank you guys so much for sending in the emails. We like getting them and we like answering the question and helping out any way we can. So feel free to continue to do so. Hello at ladyinthecouch.com or you can message us via Instagram or Facebook. Okie doke. So we hope this was helpful. Thank you all so much for joining us on the couch this week and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Lady in the Couch. Feel free to share this episode with your friends on all of your social media platforms. If you're in the Atlanta area and seeking therapy, visit ladyinthecouch.com to learn more. Like what you heard? Feel free to give us a five-star review where you listen to podcasts. The content in this episode is not intended to diagnose or treat. It is for informational purposes only.